Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Well, it's been about oh, six months since the name Atira was in the headlines, and it was in the headlines a lot. It's one of the largest nonprofit housing providers. The Atira Women's Resources Society has gone through some changes since that time. Ever since, the city, the province had some problems with with their model, suspended funding to Atira because of a conflict of interest between its former CEO and the former head of BC Housing, who are married to each other. I know, it seems obvious in retrospect, doesn't it? So the question has been, could Atira survive as a result of all that? Well, the city of Vancouver voted unanimously this week to approve almost a million dollars in grants back to Atira. Leads to the question, what has changed here? Joining us now is Catherine Room, the interim CEO of the Atira Women's Resource Society. Catherine, thank you for being here. Good morning, Simi. What have the last six months been like at Atira? Well, I have been there since July the 4th. So I would say what I have experienced is the thought leadership, the support services for the most marginalized people in the downtown east side, that has never wavered. So really the frontline employees are amazing in how they support people who really need the most uh, compassionate support. Right, but there have clearly been, you, you would have come into that building or that office when a lot of employees must be feeling pretty dispirited about what the previous few months had been like. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was brought in to stabilize the financial health and support operational excellence, and that's because of my business background. I think what what we see is that the board really had to pull on these values of transparency and partnership. The employees themselves, they have just kept doing their amazing work. Uh, and now, you know, we said, well, we are regaining trust, and I think we've done that. I think our partners in the community now see the same thing as our employees how? Just this really great work on the ground. How do you do that? How do you rebuild trust? Because it was pretty broken. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So, you know, part of that is starting to work with our partners like the Vancouver Police and Vancouver Fire, because they also want to control risk around the facilities that we operate. And that has really led to a terror saying, okay, if those partners are helping us particularly apply data and data analytics on the risk, then we're going to be in a better place to, to run and, and have really supportive, safe housing. Um, our other partners include, of course, our funder, BC Housing. So I meet with the CEO every two weeks. And then, as you mentioned at the top, uh, City of Vancouver is a very important partner to us. And I think with the innovative programs that they supported yesterday, that's really a, a great show of support for Atira. What are those programs? Well, one in particular is a, a women-led Indigenous Women's Wellness Centre. And women from Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh and Musqueam have created um, an idea for a space simply for women's wellness. Atira is only the landlord. So what we're doing is providing the tenant improvements to make the space work. But this is just the, the first of its kind. And we know that Indigenous women are 
really overrepresented and experienced violence and poor health outcomes far more so than the rest of the population. So the innovation around that, we're, we're just really, really delighted to be able to support. Catherine, has the safety improved in the buildings that are run by Atira? Because I know that's been a huge issue. Well, my background is health and safety and technical safety. So I have to say it's, it's really, really challenging to see a 100-year-old building that really hasn't, has been lived in continuously since, uh, since it was put up. And we have uh, tenants, maybe 110 tenants in those buildings and a few employees managing it. And that's the level that we're funded at. And so what has happened in the last couple of years, we have, of course, this opioid crisis, so deteriorating health outcomes, but then a violence increase in the downtown east side with gangs. And so all of that means that there's great pressure on health and safety and security. And I'm working with the government to talk about, well, how do we change that? How do we increase the funding, particularly around safety and security? And, you know, that's good for uh, tourists. It's good for people who work in the downtown east side, and it's certainly good for tenants. So that's something that uh, in the next couple of months I'm going to be particularly focused on. Okay, so you're saying that that's still a work in progress then? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and critical. We we actually ended an operating contract with one of the SROs called the Patricia because we can't see how we can maintain that safely. And so that was is being turned back to government to find another operator. And, you know, when when social service entities like ourselves say, okay, that's the line, that sends an important message about the standard of uh, support particularly for employees. You know, they have to have the oxygen mask on first before they can turn to help someone else. And we're partnering with the BCGU uh, in that and aligning on health and safety and security. All right. So then what is, what's missing? What still needs to be done here besides that? Because some of your employees, as you talked about there, they say there's still work to be done, like making sure all the employees get things like overdose prevention training. Are there still gaps? For sure, the training, the health and safety assessments, all of those pieces, that is an ongoing work in progress. And I completely understand where employees are coming from. And that's our job is to make sure employees can turn around and do the amazing work that they do every day. So we have this program of change. It's designed to build trust, not just with the public, with what ATERA is doing, but also with our employees. And, you know, that is going to be work that has to continue. It's going to require negotiation with our funders in order to deliver that kind of service. Long term, what is needed in the downtown east side and other big cities around the province for complex care for the most marginalized, we need purpose-built housing. We need wraparound supports in housing that is purposely built for folks who are coming with full-blown addictions or mental health or head trauma all of the things that, you know, we know exist, but when you house people in 100-year-old hotels called SROs, we are not giving them hope. And, and that's the new mantra for Atira is housing to hope. Okay, would you say that Atira is getting more selective then about the type of work or buildings that you choose? You said there's some that you're, you're going to give back because you say we can't, we can't hold this to the standard that we want to hold it to. So rather than take on too much, you're going to say we're, we're going to draw the line here. Yeah, exactly. During COVID, Atira grew exponentially. And 
What it needed was to have scaffolding underneath it to support the business processes, deliver really great housing for these folks. And so when you see us and other social service agencies say, wait a minute, it's not just housing for housing's sake. And the housing first strategy, that's you know what we've done in the last decade. We need to build housing, which is housing to hope, which gives people that light at the end of the tunnel that they actually can move towards a better life, who they're meant to be as people. And so it is going to take entities like ourselves to say, this is, this is what we can deliver safely and well and for the people who really need us there. And that, that's a form of compassion that I think is really important that all of the agencies draw a line and say, it's to this standard or we can't do it. Catherine, thank you for the update this morning. Thank you, Simi. That's Catherine Room, who's the interim CEO of the Atira Women's Resource Society. Lots of changes there in the last six months since they were really in the headlines with the province crackdown and said that this was unacceptable, forced the CEO out. Catherine is the new interim CEO there since July and uh, working to turn things around. And that is an interesting one. We'll see. Is it going to be the same old, same old, or are they going to be able to do it? We'll keep an eye on that. If you want to weigh in, simi at cknw.com.